Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with Diana and Morgan. I'm Diana. I'm Morgan. So, Morgan, what's happening this week with the Cannabis Women's Alliance? You have some exciting things coming up. Oh, we do. It is a Monday, September 25th, and we are rolling out our welcome meet and greet on this Thursday at Halo. Halo is an awesome cannabis extraction company in Seattle, Washington. And we're going to get a whole bunch of women together, probably about 50 to 60 women. It's free just to come down and listen to what we have rolling out. My favorite event in October It's called Attenders and Chirpy. And this is where we're going to get all the females together, all of our frontline bud tenders, and we're going to talk about chirpy profiles of cannabis. Mm-hmm. That's in October, October 26th. So yeah. come out this Thursday and you can hear all about it. Thursday awesome. at Halo from 6.39. There's a lot of things coming up in the next few months with uh, CWA. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. Um, so let's start with the news. What's happening in cannabis? <laughs> so Maine legislators are now considering allowing online and drive-through cannabis sales. That's a, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a big improvement from the last news item. It says um, from this piece at, on Mary Jean, the publication is Mary Jean, members of the Maine Legislators Joint Select Committee on Marijuana Legis- Legislation Implement- Implementation will soon debate newly proposed regulations that would allow adults to purchase cannabis online and from drive throughs The proposed rules are a part are part of a new bill that sets up a regulatory framework for cannabis cultivation, manufacturing, and sales. The bill will set guidelines and application fees for cannabis businesses and also proposes a 20% sales tax rate for legal cannabis. I'm not surprised at that tax rate considering Maine has a pretty high sales tax rate already, but that's good news for the, I think, for the residents of Maine. Because yeah, it's about to get really cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, that is probably the first thought, you know? The, yeah, mm-hmm. the goal was to keep it with the black market right. out. Yeah. So they're trying to make it super, super easy for people to just get their stuff. And they figure people use the black market because it's cheap and because it's easy to get. And right. Bring it to your door. So this is the way they're, they're talking about it. I guess they're concerned, I, as it is everywhere, that we don't want to get anything into kids and taking it across state lines. Yeah. I hope that that improves their employment rate as well, because I know they have issues. I have a lot of family there. So I think that would create a lot of jobs. I, yeah. There's I a lot of jobs that are happening right now. Right. With cannabis. Yeah. Um, you're, so next up. <laughs> next up. 
I don't, I, I'm really, I was really shocked when I read this this morning. They <laughs> had an article out about Senator Orrin Hatch defends medical marijuana. Passionately, even. Passionately, passionately. <laughs> as well as should. Anybody who knows that cannabis can do so much good for us with epilepsy and just even recreational adults. I mean, come on. So, in a surprise move, a conservative Republican and longtime cannabis prohibitionist introduced a bill to encourage more research into the effectiveness of medical cannabis. He didn't just quietly introduce the bill, rather he took to this defense of the use of medical marijuana, saying the plant, quote, has the potential to help millions of Americans for the better. Brilliant. Way to go. And he wasn't alone. I was impressed that there was, uh, there was also the Republican from North Carolina and Colorado, you know, with the two other Democrats on that bill. I was like, see, yeah, medical cannabis. Way to go. Maybe, maybe we're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, when the conservatives are passionately defending it, I think maybe we should be paying attention, you know? Those people that are still out there saying it's bad and evil and whatever else they want to say. Uh, it's like, just read something. Read read anything. Read Read a study. <laughs> read an article all the way through. I'm sorry. All right, so the next item in the good uh, news front here, it looks like cannabis is creating so many jobs. Um, Leafly has been doing a lot of research on this. Uh, they've created their own way of um, like factoring the amount of jobs that cannabis supports. And this year they found that legal cannabis supports 149,304 Americans. That's an increase of 22% in one year. That's amazing. In 12 months, yeah. the legal cannabis industry has added 26,490 jobs to the nation's workforce. Um, it's saying that behind those numbers, they devised a method that roughly translated annual sales into full-time equivalent jobs. Um, and then they also say it's worth noting that these jobs are supported by legal cannabis. Not every one of these jobs touches the plant. So they're talking about ancillary job, uh, positions and lawyers, business owners, electricians who consult on grow operations, hydroponic farming supply houses, insurance brokers, realtors, the list goes on. There's so many ways to uh, cross over whatever you do in, in life with cannabis. It's amazing. I don't think there's really anything out there that's like that. Do you? Yeah, it's it. No, it's just another reason why cannabis needs to be a legit business. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why not? I mean, all the numbers are there, right? So so yeah. give us our banking, people. Yeah, To do our jobs. I mean, if, if we just 150,000 more Americans right. are employed, wake up. Right. Come on, you guys. Let's get, let's get moving. And they're wanting to do this legally. It's not like, you know. Like, woo, let's go sell drugs. Like, if people want to do this in the respectable, responsible way, and it just needs to be made easier and more accessible, you know, to be able to do it that way. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> rant over. Oh, right. Next one. <laughs> uh, next up from the Associated Press out in Boston, uh, Massachusetts highest court ruled Tuesday that field sobriety tests typically used in drunken driving cases cannot be treated as conclusive evidence that a motorist was offering under the influence of marijuana. The uh, Supreme Judicial Court said it was reasonable for police officers to testify as non-expert witnesses because they would know 
only to their observation about how individuals perform during sobriety tests. But officers are not allowed to tell juries if defendants passed or failed such tests, offer their opinions on whether a driver was too high to be behind the wheel. So this all comes from a case where, um, I don't know if you've ever been in one of these, uh, where you, you're out on the field and they pull you over mm-hmm. and they want you to walk the line and mm-hmm. touch your hands to your nose. And your reflexes may be a little bit different, but does that mean you can't drive? No. I mean, I mean, just because you can't say your alphabet backwards while you're high, does that mean you can drive a car? Is that really the field sobriety test? Right? I can't do most of that stuff stone cold sober, so... I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it's not a fair assessment. And there are people that I know who could do that stuff even better when they're intoxicated. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I used to be like, that's not true. And then I, I all right. Yes. Yeah, some, some people do better. I don't know. So, um, that's not, it's not a good way to measure is what we're saying basically. So yay, Massachusetts. Well, they, have, court. Yeah. <laughs> well, they haven't figured it out here in Washington either. No. They want to do blood tests and nanograms and all that. They have, have a long, long way to go, go to um, figure out exactly how kind of this affects your driving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We need, we need a lot more studies there. Um, All right. So, you ready for some blunt talk? Oh, my gosh. Let's get to it. Do we need to take a hit? <laughs> uh, well, you can because it's illegal here in Florida to smoke, so I will just sit here and listen okay. to you do it. I'll take that <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, back in August, there was a, an opinion piece written by a man, um, about how marijuana business faces a grass, or women in the marijuana business face a grass ceiling. And he talks about how, um, the industry is, you know, predominantly, comprised of women executives, but that that is not a steady trend, basically that it's going in the opposite direction. Um, there was also another piece by uh, Pacific Standard Magazine that just came out about uh, women of color creating cannabis culture, and it gives, all a, gives about three or four really great examples of women of color who are pioneers in this industry. And then we also have a piece that was out by the Washington Post um, in the last month, and its title is Marijuana Industry Looks to Get More Women, Minorities in the Pot Business. So I guess the question is, is there a grass ceiling? Um, are we are we setting ourselves up here by making that, you know, assumption in the first place? Because this is an industry, I think, where we finally have an opportunity to uh, correct a lot of inequalities, but we have to make sure that we have that on the forefront of our minds at all times when we're operating in this business. What do you think, Morgan? Oh, I totally agree. It's unbelievable the amount of oppression that has come to our brothers and sisters of color over this amazing plant. And so naturally, so many people are afraid to put their names out there, to put their stamp on a business, to say, hey, I'm a cannabis business um, and, and I'm a minority. There's a little bit more fear or maybe a lot on the, some people in the industry. And so the more that they can be uplifted, brought into the, into the light, brought up on stage, talk about their experiences, 
and then you know start putting that into action and, and reaching out to people of color and reaching out to minorities and say we welcome you we want to help mm-hmm. we want to get involved and we want you to lead because mm-hmm. the more leaders that we have of color the more opportunity that sets an example for other people of every race of every color of every of every now sexual orientation mm-hmm. and we have to always keep in mind who is the most negatively affected by the war on drugs. And um, if you don't have that in mind and you're trying to get into the cannabis industry, then you're, you're not in it for the right reasons because that is 100% what needs to be addressed at all times. Um, Just this quote from Pacific standard says that blacks and Latinos made up 86% of the 60,000 people arrested for low level marijuana possession in the, first three years of the current mayor's administration, according to WNYC, a black and Latino, black and Latino New Yorkers constitute 55% of the population. Similar disparities exist in places like Louisiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. I mean, all over the place, there are racial disparities and the war on drugs is just destroying entire communities and families and lives. So, I mean, obviously. Yeah, and, and, and racism is, is the topic of something that we have in now today or yesterday with the talks of you know, NFL players taking a knee, standing mm-hmm. in solidarity. The original thought behind it was, you know, to call out police brutality against brothers and sisters of color. So, yeah, we need to start talking about it on this cannabis base. And that's what we can do the most work if we can just reach out and start getting awareness brought to the attention. And hopefully it trips up into the whole bigger picture why can't we all just be brothers and sisters in racism and so as far as women and 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 non and gender non-conforming individuals and femmes are concerned i think that there definitely um there is an opportunity here in this industry to to fix that disparity you know um i think that we're going in the right direction yeah we just have to make sure that you know like, don't be afraid to ask questions to anyone in this industry, because from what I found so far, um, everyone's been very uh, open and supportive of moving on, you know, like supporting each other so that we can. What's the word I'm trying to say <laughs> so that we can build each other up and do better and, and thrive together. You know, um, we need to keep that mentality. And I know that's easier said than done, obviously, because, you know, money and all well, of that. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that, you know, we can do in this is, you know, is not sexualize women in the workplace. We've had stories, horror stories, so women being objectified, whether they're trimming in, you know, a crew mm-hmm. or if they're bed tenders behind the bar with scantily clad clothing. Mm-hmm. It's offensive mm-hmm. to so many people. And I'm not a, going to judge any woman who can pick up her clothes. Whatever she does with her body is her thing. Go girl. But don't do it in a cannabis shop. I don't, it doesn't belong there. I don't think it belongs in some places. You know, go to your brothel. I mean, yeah, I, I think that, you know, expressing yourself and your sexuality is totally an individual situation and, and should be up to you and however your cannabis and en- enhances your life if that's you know 
if that means that you celebrate your body more, then I'm all for that, 100%. I want people to express themselves and be comfortable if they're in their own bodies. But also, I want the patients to be comfortable going into the dispensaries and the clinics and all of that and the conferences. So I want them to not see right up front, you know, that women are being hypersexualized. Um, and it's not their own choosing, you know. I mean, obviously, they chose to take the job, but it's like they need the money, so it's not really a choosing situation. I'm saying someone who didn't say, this is my idea entirely, um, and you're you're putting them in scantily clad, you know, whatever, and you're telling them to offer dab hits to people who have never even heard of what a dab is, you know. You have to think of it that way, too. You know, there's a lot of people. Responsible. Right. There are a lot of people that just don't know where to start, you know? I mean, they just don't even have any idea that there's two different kinds of strains or whatever. There's there's so many things that people don't know. And if you're afraid, you know, that fear can be super powerful and keep you from doing and changing your life in, in positive ways. So... I think to keep that in mind is very important um, when we go out there and represent our brands and our associations, you know, just make sure that, you know, your message is on point with what you really are trying to say and, and be about, you know, that's all it really boils down Educate. to. Educate. Use profession. Use your big boy words. Your big girl words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Use your words or, you know. Or any other form of medium that you feel comfortable with using, but just you know, let's let's communicate, right? Let's make sure that we're all saying the same, or not saying the same thing, but we're all on the same page and we're all enjoying ourselves um, collectively, right? Because that's what cannabis is all about. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that that was enough rambling for today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to us if you are thank listening you. to us we appreciate yeah. it so much yeah. all right stay high and beautiful everybody all right yeah. our first guest today is jen louder jen louder is a media maker content creator community builder and marketing strategist in the cannabis space co-founder of splim the world's first pot and parenting newsletter. She has a decade of experience as a progressive anti-bias educator in independent and public schools and spent five years at nonprofits offering services and advocacy for children and families. Jen is half of the founding team of the Weekend Review Kit, a cannabis review and lifestyle site, and has written for numerous print and online media outlets. She has also led a license-winning application for Maryland's medical cannabis program and directs marketing and advocacy efforts for an herbal products company. Of Jen's many jobs, her favorite is being a mama to her nine-year-old daughter. All right. What inspired the creation of Splim? Well, my husband, Chad, and I entered the cannabis industry over three years ago um, when we were living on the East Coast, and we were really trying to paint a broader picture for folks in these prohibition states of what legalization looked like and what was possible. So we actually started by doing reviews and writing lifestyle pieces, connecting with people in the cannabis industry. Um, and really, you know, the, the old adage that people say, we were just, we were trying to show people that the sky wasn't falling. Mm -hmm. But early on in that project, it became increasingly clear that there was going to be for resources, media, and information uh, specifically directed toward parents because it felt like this was a whole kind of cultural shift, um, 
a whole new direction. And there were going to be implications for our families, for our children, and certainly for those of us parents who choose to consume. Um, so we kind of right away <laughs> bought the domain potandparenting.com and mm. we, we kind of sifted around ideas and we, we sat on it for a long time and mostly because we were at that point in a prohibition state. And mm-hmm. even though we were, uh, you know, out and proud, I guess, about being cannabis consumers, cannabis advocates and, and people in the cannabis space, um, we didn't want to necessarily invite certain unwelcome visitors to our doorstep. So we, we really thought that in order to take the pot parenting stance, we had to be in a legal state where we felt we had at least, um, you know, some protection by mm-hmm. law over, you know, over our, over our career and our, our kind of family's place in it. So, um, we really waited until this past November and, mm-hmm. and at least I was feeling, and my family was feeling, our partner was feeling, um, you know, the election did not turn out in the way that we had anticipated and hoped. And so it almost felt like SPLIM was our response to that because, you know, the broad vision of SPLIM is that we can create, um, we can create the future that we want, which is a more inclusive, more equitable, more just future for everyone mm-hmm. um, by centering the cannabis plant and by educating our families about it. So it really was in, you know, in our minds, a political response. And, you know, we, we do like to think of ourselves as, um, you know, building a generation after us um, that's not going to accept the status quo at all <laughs> yeah. and is going to see, you know, just ground that's ripe for change wherever they look. So, yeah, I mean, in, in, in large part, it was to be a resource for people who were already consuming and who mm-hmm. needed information about, you know, how do I be a responsible parent? How do I, you know, how can I incorporate this in my life in a way that's convenient? You know, parents need ease. We need convenience our kids have to be productive and worthwhile. So there was, there was that piece. Um, and then there's also the idea that certainly I think parents are, are super stigmatized moms, especially, mm-hmm. you know, what I hear, um, or what I heard when I entered this space and would talk to people from my former life, either, you know, I'm some friends, some, you know, parents of my, my daughter's friends, and certainly parents of um, children I taught when I was a classroom teacher reaction to the fact that I was working in cannabis and embracing that. And I would ask them, you know, what's that about? Why are you having such a negative reaction? I'd love to, I'd love for you to just get curious about what's happening here. And, you know, inevitably the response was, but you're a mom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's my husband got, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, can, I can tell you. So, um, you know, the other, but the other piece is really just to kind of normalize this, um, so that moms and, and parents who consume don't feel shame or stigma around it. Mm-hmm. And to show kind of the the outside world <laughs> mm-hmm. that this is not um, this isn't a bunch of people, a bunch of parents neglecting their kids and you know sucking on a bong on their couch. That yeah. that we are we are in fact enhancing our experience of parenting. We're enhancing our children's experience of childhood um, because we're using this in mindful, conscious ways. We're intentionally um, you know, prioritizing our wellness and doing so through this beautiful plant. And uh, that can be bring about a shift, I think. I mean, it's a shift that starts in our homes and it's a shift that can can ripple out to our communities and our yes. society that when we start talking about this and when we start um, having the conversations that cannabis opens about sustainability, about wellness, about about women's rights um, and women's health, about that's a big one in our house. Um disparities in sentencing and, mm-hmm. you know, why is it easier for me as a white woman 
about this than it is for my friend who's a black woman. You know, what kind of stigma does she have that I don't have because of my white privilege? And, you know, it's, it's amazing that cannabis can start all of those conversations. Absolutely. In your opinion, how are women and femmes changing the cannabis industry? So I think that this is a kind of a twofold answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the the opportunity is here because a this plant is a feminine plant and it has these these characteristics that that we can't lose from the movement and from the industry. The, you know that, that there's a compassion piece, that there's a caretaking piece, that um, you know that I, I think the plant embodies all of those things. And then at the same time, on the other hand, we've got an, a whole industry that we're building both, you know, from nothing and mm-hmm. also on the backs of folks who have, you know, put their necks out there and mm-hmm. maybe gone to prison. And, you know, I, I feel like we're at this intersection of, you know, a beautiful plant medicine and an industry that we have the opportunity to shape in a way that can be radically different from any kind of business enterprise that we've seen before. And I think that that not only offers an opportunity for women to enter the space because there's not, um, you know, so many structures already in place that prevent that. But there's, in fact, an opportunity for women to build the infrastructures that will that will make industry be a compassionate industry, a socially engaged industry, an industry that cares about kids and families and doesn't prioritize, you know, the almighty dollar above everything else. That's kind of a more holistic approach to how we do business. And I think that uh, there's such a great opportunity here. Um, for women to get involved and for women to really shape this in a way that makes it very different than than any of the industry that we have um, that's been passed down to us through this patriarchal status quo. Absolutely. And how did it occur to you that your niche was cannabis and parenting? Well, you know, it was really in those those early days of seeing this huge gap between um, what I was hearing from the outside, you know, this, mm-hmm. oh my God, you're a mom that think of the children. Mm-hmm. And what I was hearing from women every day who were either, you know, pulling me aside at a play date or whispering in my ear, mm-hmm. you know, um, not listening or sending me anonymous emails saying, I feel like this makes me a better parent. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's... Wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can I, can I get an amen? You know, can I get someone to, to, to validate that that is okay? Right. Um, and, you know, it, it just seemed like if I could be in a position to close that gap, to close the, pre- the experience of it. And and this is a much bigger question because I think it's about the social construction of motherhood um, versus, you know, the, the lived experience of actually mothering, actually being a parent. And, um, you know, that was just a fascinating thing for me. And, and I thought, you know, if there was a way to kind of carry this out into the world and to help people to help. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm saying women a lot because that's, you know, that's certainly who I'm speaking to most of the time, but right. you know, my, my husband is equally involved in this project. And, and, you know, I think just to, to be able to help parents see that there is, there is an option for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an option for your family's wellness that, you know, that maybe you haven't considered before. Um, and there's a community around it and we're here to help and we're here to educate you and we're here to learn from you and, um, you know, I, I do have this big idealistic vision that if we can shift from an alcohol dominated society to a cannabis enhanced one, that it will really, it will change the world in the future. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, you know, it, it is a, well, um, you know, a small piece of that puzzle, but I do feel like, like that is what drives me every day. And that's, you know, that's where I really see this kind of pot and parenting or cannabis and parenting fitting in. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I, that reminds me of a quote I've heard recently, I think it was Woody Harrelson who said something like, 
if um, more of our parents were using cannabis instead of alcohol growing up, we would all be a lot better off right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny. My parents used to tell me that too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was, I was one of the lucky kids who actually learned the truth about cannabis from my parents. That's and that amazing. was more beneficial than alcohol, you know, if, <laughs> and my dad would even say, but the government won't legalize it because it opens your mind. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> That is really cool. I think that's so important too, that, you know, your parents teach you that because a lot of ours didn't and (laughs) you have to unlearn so much, but so which, which uh, misconception about cannabis frustrates you the most? Um, so there are so many of them, but of course, you know, my lens is, is that of a parent. And I think the misconception about the most is, is the misconception that you cannot, um, children. And so that's something that, that people will ask frequently. Uh, so can, can you parent on weed? Are you high right now? Are you, you know, are you, are you intoxicated? So I I think that this is a, you know, a multi-layered misconception, but the, the primary thing comes from the fact that people think it, and I think that that misconception leads to a lot of the other, uh, you know, misperceptions or misconceptions about cannabis. And certainly a lot of the stereotypes and stigmas we face, um, you absolutely can be a parent while consuming cannabis. I, I think that we have, certainly in a, this time of innovation, we have so many available delivery methods that don't even involve smoking, which we know is a, a, a carcinogen when you're combusting things and people don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want smoke around my child, um, but I do consume and then parent. You know, mm-hmm. I, I will hit my vape pen. I will have an edible. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we use topicals, you know, for our whole family's wellness. So I, the misconception that cannabis is an intoxicant and it's only meant for, you know, times when you want to get high, right. um, is something that we really have to combat because, you know, in my, in my mind, we're building a wellness industry, not a vice industry. Yes. And to that end, there are so many products available to us that can enhance our experience of wellness and therefore our experience of parenting that can bring us back to the moment that can help us be present, that can help us let go of our own agenda and get down on our kids level and just be with them. Yes. That's awesome. Cannabis can give you more patience. Right. And I think that in fact, there are ways that we can incorporate it that really do um, not only help us be our own person mm-hmm. in the in the experience of being so needed by someone else, um, but that really can help us meet the needs of our kids in ways that maybe we couldn't because we were suffering and not um, and not having access to the things we needed in the midst of that. Mm, absolutely. Do you have anything specific that you would like to promote? Or any calls to action? Well, we actually have um, a kids book that we're releasing soon. We're looking at a November release date for that. We've written a book about um, about cannabis for kids, and it's really a way experience as a teacher. Uh, stories were so important in framing dialogues for children because not only did it give them something tangible to hold on to in terms of language and pictures, but, you know, it was, it, uh, stories are our way in. And when we can share stories with one another, I think we can see each other from such a different perspective and we have, we can build so much empathy. So we've taken that idea and um, applied it to this and we've written um, what I would say is a book that's accessible from ages four and up, and mm-hmm. it's going to have some lovely artwork that our illustrator is actually will then put into book form. Um, and really it's a story of all the wonderful things you welcome into your life when you choose cannabis from, um, you know, care for the earth to mm-hmm. social justice activism 
empowered around your own health and wellness. And we're really excited about it because, you know, we feel like it, it can be a book that will help a lot of people. We're really hoping that we can even build some kind of educational program to, you know, to supersede something like DARE right. <laughs> that actually gives real information that actually teaches, you know, kids in age appropriate ways, um, right. what, what the cannabis plant is and, and what this community, what this movement, um, what we're building here is all about. Awesome. And what is it called? And where can we find it? So the book is called Because Your Mama Loves Weed. Mm-hmm. And you can pre-order at splim.com uh, store set up. And we're taking pre-orders now. If you pre-order, you get free shipping. So there's a little bit of motivation to, awesome. to order ahead of time. And um, we'll also be dropping little, you know, little pieces of the book um, as, as tantalizing teasers. <laughs> very cool. That is yes. very cool. I'm excited. I'm going to get one for my niece. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> well, thank you I'm, so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was a pleasure and you're amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. I really appreciate that you are doing things to promote women and femmes in the industry because I think we're the one, this innovation. And uh, I applaud you for recognizing that. <laughs> thank you so much. Our second guest today is Laurel Friesen. Laurel obtained a degree in environmental chemistry from Northwestern University. After working in gastroenterology lab and contributing research with renowned Dr. John Pandolfino at Northwestern Memorial Hospital, Laurel left the medical field to explore the intersection of chemistry and business. Laurel joined Eden Labs, a well-established extraction equipment manufacturer, to build their research and development department. Leading a team of five people, she managed the development of Eden Labs' newest system, the FX2 supercritical CO2 extractor. Laurel's experience with Eden Labs inspired her to pursue her own processing license in Seattle. Halo became licensed by the state of Washington in January 2017. Laurel is committed to education and facilities commu- and facilitates community engagement by hosting educational events at her facility, including public tours, seminars, and hosting Cannabis Women's Alliance and American Chemical Society Cannabis Chemistry Division events. Her mission is to provide cannabis users with as much information as possible and to enable active and engaged lifestyles alongside cannabis consumption. So, what are terpenes and how do they impact the medical benefits of cannabis? Terpenes or terpenoids are a uh, class of molecules that are found in a lot of fruiting and any plant that has an aroma, um, an example I always give is lavender or pine needles, mm-hmm. um, have these volatile compounds in them that they, these plants release and give off this aroma. Nice. Terpene in lavender is linalool and pine needles are pinene. And so uh, we can use what we know about those plants um, to apply to cannabis because so many of those are also found in the cannabis plant. Cool. How do terpenes play a role in figuring out the perfect THC-CBD ratio? So terpenes do help with uh, the medical benefits of cannabis. Think about aromatherapy methods and think about when you go to a spa and there's lavender aroma in the air, you use a lavender eye pillow. We can talk about the relaxation benefits of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way it affects the THC to CBD ratio is that CBD are kind of always going to do the same things to you. Only the um, the concentration of those compounds with the complements of terpenes that affect your actual experience. So, if you're a patient looking to um, go through a day at work um, without 
you know, feeling a sleepy effect, you need to talk about that THC to CBD ratio in addition to the terpenes that are found in that strain that you're going to be using in order to guide your choices because you don't want to be getting sleepy throughout the day. You're going to be looking for something that's going to give you more energy. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're, you know, a patient that cannot sleep, you're going to look for something that's going to give you more sleep effect. And that is where you'll, you'll find the terpenes really helping. What is an entourage effect? So the entourage effect has been discussed for quite a, quite a long time, um, especially talking about how the cannabinoids affect your body. Mm-hmm. So um, for a long time, it was thought that only THC and CBD affected your cannabino- endocannabinoid system and created this entourage effect of, of a regulatory mechanism. Mm-hmm. But more recently, we've discovered that terpenes add to that effect. And there are certain terpenes that can actually affect your endocannabinoid system directly and create this entourage effect where we're talking about all these compounds that are helping and medically benefiting your body as opposed to just THC, which is where the uh, the, the, sir, the pharmaceutical companies were focusing on just THC. And we know now that it's so much more than that. It's, it's THC, it's CBD, it's CBG, CBN, and all the terpenes that are involved. So interesting. Um, do you have any advice for women and femmes who wish to pursue a career in cannabis? My advice is to go for it. A lot of times um, it, it seems like people have told me that there's mostly men involved in cannabis. And mm-hmm. I'd say that it's 50-50. Um, there may be a lot more men in the, in the extraction world or the growing world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need more um, females involved um, because we are able to connect so well cannabis plant. I've talked to so many females that are just so passionate about cannabis and, and the benefits of this incredibly beautiful and thriving plant. And, um, my advice is to go for it. Don't let anything stop you. This is a completely new industry with unprecedented, um, if we can, let's take this by the ground floor and, and just build it up as a, you know, 50, 50 men and women working mm-hmm. together world. Yeah, absolutely. What inspired you to get into the extraction business? What inspired me was I started in the um, medical field in Chicago, and um, one of my bosses actually talked to me about um, some of his patients with eating disorders that um, that he prescribed mar- uh, Marinol, which we know has some pretty serious side effects, and he had to stop doing that and just recommend the cannabis plant, um, despite the fact that it wasn't legal in Illinois yet. So um, I started doing some research on, on the benefits of cannabis and mm-hmm. really just couldn't stop reading and reading about it and, mm-hmm. um, and Ethan Russo's works and how, how much research there was left to be done. So um, I went to a conference in Chicago to learn more and see where my place was in the world. And uh, that's when I ran into Eden Labs and did pretty easily um, the Eden Labs team um, and I. And so ever since then, I've just continued I've had and um, just went head first into it. Wow. So tell us about the upcoming Cannabis Women's Alliance event, Bud Tenders and Terpenes in October. Yeah, we are um, so excited at Halo to patient goals with Cannabis Women's Alliance. Um, we have a series of, of events coming up in the in this fall and winter quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bud Tenders and Terpenes event specifically is something we're really proud to bring um, female uh, industry members, both bud tenders, um, buyers from various retail stores, mm-hmm. um, and consumers as well, 
together to um, discuss terpenes and consumers' desires and um, how we can help educate industry as a whole um, and very female-focused to try and create that uh, that community. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're having a panel. Um, I'll be moderating, and uh, we're having some amazing female members of the industry, A.C. Braddock of Eden Labs, nice. Sean Denae of Washington Bud Company, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Kira from Terpenes and Testing Magazine, and we'll have a member of Trailblazing Productions, the uh, grow operation in Washington State, um, also. That's awesome. I hope that everybody gets a chance who's in the Seattle area to go, you know, because it sounds exciting. Is there anything else that you have that you would like to promote or any calls to action specifically? Uh, yeah, just um, really hoping that we can lead the way on educating consumers to seek more than just cannabinoid concentrations and um, learn learn more about what they're buying into when mm-hmm. they go to the stores. Um, that's why we want to have these events so that bud tenders can feel you know, empowered to talk to consumers because it's just so, so, um, we, we are fortunate to be able to have consumers that come to us as Halo Cannabis to, to learn more. Um, our website is a resource, then we're happy to create a little space for ourselves, um, in this industry. So keep an eye out for what you're buying and, uh, buy Halo. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Looking forward to uh, to learning more. Our final guest today is Stacy Mulvey. Stacy Mulvey loves teaching movement, viewing it as a spectrum of energy from yin to yang and everything in between. She began practicing and teaching mindful movement in calinetics after having an epiphany about mortality and taking control of her own quality of life. Eventually, Mulvey discovered that cannabis helped her concentrate and enhanced her motivation. After completing her coursework, honing her skills in mindful and meditative practices, Mulvey launched Marawasana, where she now travels to the U.S. and internationally teaching all-inclusive classes fusing the wonders of cannabis with yoga, flow, and mindfulness meditation. So what inspired the creation of Marawasana and what is it? I'll describe what it is first, and then um, I'll talk about how I was inspired. But it's literally just the word marijuana and asana stuck together. And that helps. I found that that helps people explain that because they look at it and their tongues get a little tied. But um, marijuana is self-explanatory, but asana is a Sanskrit word for pose Mm -hmm. and is used, you know, at the ending of a lot of... um, poses like the names of poses in yoga so um so it literally is just the integration of cannabis to mindful movement or yoga um what inspired it for me was doing yoga with cannabis and it was um a specific experience or just a specific revelation where i realized this is um more or less essential for for some of the deeper connections that you can find in yoga. And I, I'll be careful with that because I, I'll get a lot of argument from people because of, of course you can find connection and deep, um, deep profound understanding within yoga without cannabis, but it's it uh, enhances that, definitely though. very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's definitely very helpful. So um, just to kind of uh, explain, I had, an experience where I had done yoga on its own. I have consumed cannabis on its own. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, 
you know, I had quite a regular practice of smoking cannabis. I was like one of the girls, I would smoke with the guys and I would, you know, get props or whatever for staying with them the whole time. Like, like I just, it's like, I couldn't smoke enough. Like I was yeah. always just like, Oh, it's cool. I'm just like, light another one. Let's go for it. You know? Right. So, um, but for, <laughs> I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go guys. So, yeah. Um, but I, so for various reasons, I decided to stop for a mm-hmm. while and just abstain and, you know, life took place and I enrolled in a teacher training program that I was struggling with. Mm-hmm. And this um, program was rigorous at demanding to be able to, uh, to graduate. Mm-hmm. So this was in Pilates, mind you. And this was um, an advanced Pilates um, certification. But at any rate, so I just sort of, without really putting it together, but I happened to break my my two-year fast, and it was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. What was I thinking? I was like, this is mm-hmm. the best. And, um, you know, a day or two later, was just back in my routine of, okay, I'm going to practice my Pilates. Was able to just go in and feel connections I had never felt before. It was this very internal, profound experience. And mm-hmm. it was physical, though, too. It wasn't just a mental, you know, like a mental thing. Like, yeah. Um, feel connections and ranges of motion and and just um uh concepts for my body that I just could not manage before and so it was you know like the light bulb went off for me where I was like aha you know this really this was a result of what I just consumed yeah um it's like it wasn't it wasn't lost on me like mm-hmm. you can tell like okay this tea is calming down this is just Mm -hmm. what I needed or this caffeine is running me up it was you know like this cannabis is helping me feel this more deeply and so you know I really just took from that like this is something essential for my practice Mm -hmm. and it's true and it's it's valid and I'm doing this and I really just kind of kept it with my other colleagues I didn't really you know I didn't speak to my the teachers that were teaching me mm-hmm. or, you know, really any, like any clients, because it was still kind of, you know, it's still in that taboo phase. Right. You know, even in Colorado, even after legalization, this was like the first year, but mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm not going to put myself out there like that. But after the last couple of years of working in the industry and just realizing like, if we, if we decide to just stay quiet with something that we know to be true, like we're mm-hmm. never going to what's happening or, and change the, 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 the stigma and, and the so conversation. I, yeah yeah exactly so I was like okay you know what the time is now I'm doing this and um and so that's what long story that's what kind of inspired <laughs> it to come out so awesome <laughs> that's awesome and in your opinion how are women and femmes changing the cannabis industry so I think we are um, as a gender we're a little more open mm-hmm. to wisdom as a valid source of knowledge mm-hmm. or knowing something mm-hmm. and like a lived experience the, over someone's statistics basically or intuition yes yeah exactly and and intuition on like well um you know maybe the science or maybe the dare program at school doesn't say this but i think they're wrong yeah <laughs> or i i can notice a difference mm-hmm. you know i think this has value and so I think with cannabis, I mean, it, I think it goes back to being um, midwives and being, you know, administering folk medicine, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even like that, you know, like witchy side of women. Um, I think that's something that we are kind of saying like, Hey guys, like this is legit. And like, you can take all the laws that you have and all the like 
politics mm-hmm. and we're just going to grow weed and smoke it and we're going to feel better. Yeah. And, you know, and so that kind of having that as like our truth, I think that's how we're changing. I mean, among other ways, but that's something that I, um, I really see. And as just to kind of elaborate that on that a little bit, um, I was at a cannabis convention, convention mm-hmm. and it, where they were, ju- they were judging plants. Mm-hmm. And of course it was very bro. You know, there were lots of bros that had their plants and they yeah. were very hardcore, but <laughs> the people that won and they, they had no way of knowing like who was good. They were judging purely on the, the plants. Mm-hmm. The people that won that, that really touched me the most were the people that I could tell were growing it for. And a lot of those growers were women. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it was like, you know, I love that this is how it's getting judged. And I love that, it wasn't for somebody in a suit or, mm-hmm. you know, so, like I said, a bro picking on the bros, but yeah, yeah. someone who was administering medicine to their family, mm-hmm. that meant a lot to me. And so I think that's how, I think that's what women are. Awesome. Um, so how would you say that cannabis makes you a better business owner? I think the, um, I feel like cannabis as a, as a plant, mm-hmm. it, it opens up, and I, I'm sure there probably is science and research to back this up, but it does open up the side of humans where we feel a little more deeply. Mm-hmm. We're a little more in touch with our emotions. We're able to associate with maybe things we, you know, aren't primed to maybe make different associations than maybe we normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And and so that gives, you know, can lend us to have some empathy, some deeper empathy. And I feel like... Um, as a business owner, to have empathy and understanding for other cultures, other people, um, you know, other walks of life makes you a better business owner just in general. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And what's your favorite part of your work? What you do? Smoking weed. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, that part is great. Yeah. Um, and I try to keep that in mind. Like, oh, okay, I'm being on this event. Oh my God, this is stressful. And then it's like, oh yeah, but I get to smoke weed. I mean, how bad can it be? Yeah. Stressing out over nothing in a way, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, but my, actually my favorite part is really watching the people after they experience a class. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like people walk in with all this tension or, you know, like the, like an ego an agenda or what Mm -hmm. have you, like right there presenting who they are. Yeah class we have a break in the middle so that we can you know drink more tea mm-hmm. and we can smoke more weed yeah away from the movement which can get kind of intense if you don't if you don't break just for a moment and step mm-hmm. away for a second but you can watch people even after that first break and then especially by the end of class there it's like this whole like the energy just sort of lifts they soften their edges soften a little bit they're more to their neighbors or, mm-hmm. um, you know, this just like something just kind of just clicked to who, who they really are deep down. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I really love watching that happen. That's really cool. Uh, which misconception about cannabis frustrates you the most? It's the, well, the wording in the DEA's scheduling of marijuana, I think it literally says that marijuana or cannabis is deleterious Mm -hmm. to humanity. And I just, I, I'm very, (laughs) I take offense to that. I'm very Mm -hmm. indignant about that because that, that, I mean, that literally means that it has, that it's completely harmful and has no benefit. 
medicinal value to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, that's not even a misconception. That's just like, or misconception. That's just like, that's so an outright lie. lie. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that is, you know, but it's a misconception, uh, conception for the population that they think like, oh, this is, you know, this is bad for everybody. And like, why would they, I, I would say that the misunderstanding of the difference between hemp and cannabis, mm-hmm. um, I, and that's something really like, I think people in the industry have applied like, oh, there's a difference. Hemp means it's industrial. And then cannabis means you know, this, it's medicinal or what, you know, the, the general population still is included in on that. Like they mm-hmm. don't understand that there's a difference. Right. And so yeah. they still think that like fields of hemp. Okay. So for an example, I, I was talking to a woman at the daughters of the American revolution mm-hmm. processing my membership. <laughs> and I was telling her, <laughs> I was telling her I worked in the cannabis industry mm-hmm. and she was describing, um, something at her school where they were growing fields of hemp for a research project of some kind. And she was saying that the bees that would fly off of the hemp, you could tell were stoned. <laughs> and I mean, first of all, there's a lot just wrong with that. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? But it's like, um, you know, hemp wouldn't really get anybody stoned. You yeah. Know? And like, I, I, so I didn't, I didn't want to ruin her story or take away her mm-hmm. <laughs> note to me, but I wanted to just, it's like, Inform I her. just wish. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That sounds like my grandmother. She, she used to tell me she, she used to smoke hemp when she saw my hemp necklaces in high school. I used to smoke that when I was younger and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Like, yeah, sure. Okay, that's what it was. But (laughs) anyway, so do you have anything specific you would like to promote? I know you have um, some classes that are available. So, is there anything else? Well, yeah. So this weekend, I'm actually going to be in Boston teaching classes. Nice. And I, yeah, I love Boston. This will be my third time teaching classes there, and Boston is an incredible community. I can't wait for Massachusetts to go fully wreck mm-hmm. um, they're already I mean they're already gonna get better um, yeah and then I do have a couple of things in the works I nothing is final I say for sure but I am um, organizing classes in the Pacific Northwest so Portland Seattle and Anchorage mm-hmm. I would say just um, pay attention to the website and to my Facebook page for the exact dates but um, be looking for that awesome. and then I'm re- releasing online videos on my website so that you could do one of my classes at home because I know not everybody can get to Boston right. or to Seattle. That's very whatever. cool. So, That's very oh, cool. And like I, yeah, and I do actually, I can't believe I forgot this, but I do have classes in um, the Denver area, actually in Boulder, Colorado nice. next month. So October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Cool. Uh, I'm very jealous of whoever gets to go to those classes, and hopefully I'll be able to catch <laughs> up and take one if um, I get to D.C. Yeah. anytime when you're... You have some in D.C. as well, right? Or I do, but at mo- my classes are the kind of events. Okay. So I don't have any regular classes okay. yet, but when I come, to definitely let you know. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for talking with us today, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And just keep being awesome. Pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to your highest podcast.
brought to you by Cannabis Women's Alliance and Good Vibes Marketing Agency. The Cannabis Women's Alliance was founded to bring community, guidance, and inspiration to women working in the cannabis industry. Good Vibes Marketing Agency is a digital marketing agency that creates organic content for organic solutions. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, you can email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com.